Good morning. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning with verse 38. Listen, will you, for the word of God as it's proclaimed through these words of the gospel writer, Mark. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour your widows' houses and for the sake of appearances say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Holy wisdom, holy word. So I have a colleague who um, is in ministry, a pastor of the church and a wonderful preacher, and she has... Um, lots of dramatic talents, which she uses to the fullest in her preaching and in worship leadership. I often kid her because she uses hyperbole all the time. Like, she never describes anything as good. It's just too bland. She never uses that word. Instead, she says, worship was spectacular today. Or, we went to this restaurant and the food was just thrilling. Or, I saw a magnificent movie last night. She says all these things, and as she says, she's, you know, gesturing emphatically. And when she's driving, it's a little bit of a problem because she forgets what she's doing. And and she gets so inspired by what she wants to tell you. She recently told me a story about what happened when she was still fairly new at her church. She must have just gotten a lot of adrenaline going, which is easy to do, right? When you're about to get up in front of a ton of people, you, there's a little bit of adrenaline that's rushing. And, and so she must have had a lot of adrenaline that morning. She says, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are gathered here all together to worship me. I mean, to worship God. She went on to describe the horrifying embarrassment of that moment. I mean, can you imagine? I I don't know if I could. I probably would have said amen and just... That moment is now burned into the memory of that church, right? <sighs> anyway, what a, what an unfortunate blooper from my friend. But actually, that was a way of life for the scribes in the first century. They truly did behave 
as if it was all about them. They loved to walk around in their long robes so that people would greet them with respect, and they expected to have the best seats in the synagogue, and they loved to be the honored guests at all the feasts and banquets. Their self-importance led them to behave as if it was not about God, it was all about them. They were not concerned with real devotion to God. They did everything for the sake of appearances. They were concerned with how things looked and how they could benefit from their prestigious position in society. They could pray these long prayers very impressively while at the same time stealing the houses of widows out from under them. It seems that every time Jesus encountered a scribe, the scribe became a poster child for religious hypocrisy. So then immediately following this description of scribes, there's a story about the poor widow. Jesus was sitting opposite the treasury. Many people came in to drop off their um, their offerings and they would drop their money into what would have been a metal receptacle. Those who gave a lot of money would pour their coins into the treasury, and the sound would reverberate throughout the whole room, like, like as the same sound you would hear if you won a jackpot in a slot machine. It was that kind of huge noise that everybody would notice. It would have been impressive. By contrast, you have the sound of the widow's two small coins, which would have made just a mere ping, just a little ping. Her behavior was certainly not for the sake of appearances. I've always been challenged by the story of the poor widow. I always read the story and then I feel a little guilty. I mean, this woman gave everything she had. She held back nothing. So there was this astounding act of generosity. And unlike the scribes, her gift was not given for the sake of appearances because the little ping sound would not have drawn much attention. So why did she give all that she had? Why'd she do that? Perhaps she felt obligated to give. I mean, that's just what you do. That's just what you do. You you give. There's an expectation, especially if you're raised that way, that you should give in order to support the needs of the community. The problem with that theory is that I have a hard time believing that anybody would give all they have out of obligation. I mean, I think they would give whatever the rules or the expectation demanded and no more. So they might give a tithe, but they wouldn't give more than that. So if it's not about being seen and it's not about obligation, then what was this extreme generosity all about? What did the gospel writer Mark want his community to hear about this story. The detail in the story that I've always overlooked is the relationship between the widow 
and the scribes in the prior story, right? I mean, there's no question that God calls us to care for the most vulnerable persons in society. That tradition was handed down from the very beginning through the Torah and the prophets and the Psalms, and it was a tradition that was carried on by Jesus. Right relationship with God includes the responsibility to care for the widow, the orphan, the poor, the sojourner. Now, let me be clear. We don't care for the vulnerable in society in order to earn God's grace. We accept God's grace first. We embrace a relationship with God, a relationship that is made right by the grace that is given to us as a free gift by God, grace that closes the gap between ourselves and God. It's grace that overlooks all we think God cannot forgive. Our selfishness, our pride, our pettiness, our hatefulness towards others, our self-hatred. We think all those things create such a gap between ourselves and God that God cannot be expected to love us. How can that be? But grace is amazing, isn't it? Grace is amazing. It closes that gap right up and makes right our relationship with God. That is our salvation. Out of that relationship, we are inspired. We are inspired by that relationship, by the grace that we understand God to have for us. And out of that relationship, we're inspired to care for the vulnerable because we are grateful. We are grateful. So grateful. So when the scribes, who were the supposed experts in religious tradition and law, are the very ones who devour the houses of widows... They really are the ultimate symbol of religious hypocrisy. The scribes were willfully, willfully robbing the widows, taking what little they had, leaving them destitute. The scribes then embody what is actually opposite to a right relationship with God. And then in contrast, you have the widow making her offering and giving all she had, literally, All of her living, says the Greek. And she's giving it to the people who took advantage of her. Mm. She's supporting the scribes who took her last cent and were more interested in outward appearances than in her welfare. Hmm. I suppose we could just simply conclude that she was naive, but I just don't think that's what Mark is trying to tell us. I think Mark wanted his community to see the contrast between religious hypocrisy and those who were in right relationship with God, salvation. The widow gave out of her relationship with God, not her relationship with the scribes. She could not control the behavior of the scribes. 
She could not control the behavior of those in the religious hierarchy of her day. But she could make a choice about her own behavior in response to the grace of God that gave her life and inspired her to give even all she had out of gratitude. Most importantly, this bold woman refused to give up her integrity as a human being. She was expressing her full humanity as a generous and compassionate person made in the image of a generous and compassionate God. More and more I realize how crucial it is for us to embrace our original goodness. You heard me say this last week, our original goodness. Still needs a whole sermon, but... God created us to be caring people, to be loving creatures. That's how we're made. It's the most natural thing in the world for people to be caring and loving. What's unnatural and out of order with the way we are made is to ignore the needs of others, to refuse to serve, to give nothing of ourselves. I think we have to be taught to be unloving We have to decide to be uncaring. It reminds me of a story that Elie Wiesel tells about one of his companions in a German concentration camp. Each day, the prisoners would get a small bowl of soup. And this guy would take his soup, and he would always give a spoonful to the guy sitting next to him every single day. Each day, this man would give something to his neighbor even in a context when soup, even a little spoonful of soup, could mean the difference between life and death. And yet every day he gave away a spoonful of soup. And when they asked him why he did it, he said it was in order to remember his identity as a compassionate creature of God. It was the way he remembered his own humanity in this context of horrible inhumanity. God made us good. And when we gather here as a community of faith, we help one another to reveal the goodness, the holy goodness that is who we are. We encourage each other to pour ourselves and our riches out freely in the name of God and for the sake of others. And when we do that, Sometimes it sounds like a jackpot, and sometimes it sounds like a ping. But that has nothing to do with our faith. Our faith is not measured in that way. Our faith is measured by how authentically human we allow ourselves to be. Because when we are authentically human, we allow the image of God to show forth. It's natural. It's natural. Being authentically human means developing the freedom to be who we already are and to let the love of God loose in a world that desperately needs to be loved and where there is so much need. Pervez Mazi was a janitor at the International Islamic University in Islamabad, Islamabad, Pakistan. And one day he was sweeping the floor outside of the women's cafeteria 
where more than 400 young female students were gathering for the noonday meal, Purvez saw a man approach the building dressed in woman's clothes, approaching the entrance. He dropped his broom. He headed out the door where he confronted the man. Witnesses reported that Purvez argued with this man, refusing to let him enter into the cafeteria so that when the bomb went off, he and three women died, but hundreds were saved by his act of courage. Now, Purvez was a Christian and therefore a member of a persecuted minority in Pakistan, He lived with seven other family members in one room, earning less than $760 a month. His family buried him by the side of a dirt road because that is all they could afford. Now, why did he do that? Why did he do something so heroic? Saving the lives of those who had persecuted him since his birth. Because he was Christian? Maybe, but at a deeper level, I want to suggest he understood himself to be fully human, fully human. It was natural. It was his natural inclination to give himself for the sake of others. So it is for us as well. What is planted more deeply embedded in us than anything else, is the image of God, the image of a generous, loving creator. And so we can be grateful today for the gift of God's grace that draws us into relationship with God. Amen.